Hello everyone, we are back, Nordic Football Podcast, I'm Steve Wiss, I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugbear, it's been a little bit of a while John, how's tricks? Hi Steve and hi everybody, yes the World Cup is over and Sweden crashed out as we saw when we um, had our last podcast, the Sweden-England game, so yeah it was goodbye to Sweden but a really fantastic summer for them and it's been a, been a good summer so far, we're in a heatwave in England and everything's good, how are you? Well, you know, I've had a bit of a long day, um, been at cricket today. We had three rain delays and uh, still ended up with uh, no result. So, uh, you know, typical English. Well, it's been a great summer in, over in England here, but uh, yeah, a few storms today kind of uh, was a bit of annoying. You know, a long day at the cricket, but all's well in the hood apart from that. I've uh, heard you've uh, had a nice little uh, meal out today, uh, mate, and you've been eating something which I would approve of. Yeah, I have indeed. Yeah, I had a juicy, juicy steak actually, and I did think of you the, uh, being the meat man soccer that you are. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a good, uh, good evening event actually. Yeah, and a little birthday sort of uh, celebration uh, meal, and I'm having a good time. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it, it, was was, it was your birthday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on what sort of door are you knocking on now then? Late thirty. Yeah, don't, don't disclose that on the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> what uh, what cut of steak was it? I went for the ribeye, actually. Yeah, oh. ribeye steak. Yeah, always. Well, any cut of steak's a good choice, but uh, oh, that's ribeye. Ah, really, sounds really very good. nice, mate. Actually, I'm, I'm a bit envious there. Actually, <laughs> I thought you would be, mate. Here was me getting uh, my nice cricket tea today, some nice cakes and that. But um, I would certainly take uh, a good old steak over that any day of the week. So, uh, well, it's good to be back anyway, and uh, we've got. Uh, well, the big feature of today's show is, is an interview you've done with uh, one of the managers in the Svenskan. That's right. Yes, on the show today, we have the Audible manager, Axel Kjell, uh, in-depth exclusive interview with him, a feature-length interview. So that will be on the show coming up soon. Yeah, really, um, really interesting conversation, which I hope you'll enjoy. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with uh, Axel. He's got some fascinating ideas about the way football should be played and, and his philosophy and also his, his own backstory um managing in the Osvenskan so I really hope everyone's going to enjoy that actually and um I certainly enjoyed speaking to Axel and yeah it's been it's been a busy sort of period at the moment in in Sweden with the with the transfer window and obviously it's looking like a really exciting title race potentially as well so yeah quite a lot to talk about isn't it yeah I so I'm looking forward to hearing this one as well so uh, well after the interview we're going to put the interview right right on next um, and after it, we're going to talk a little bit about the Osvenskan in a bit more detail. A uh, small bit about Norwegian team, well, Norwegian and Swedish teams in, in European competitions as well. So, uh, well, let's waste no more time and uh, let's uh, start the interview with, with Axel right now. Here it is, boys and girls. And now we're delighted to be joined by the manager of Orebro, uh, Axel Kjall. Uh, Axel Kjell, just for a bit of background, is one of the youngest managers in Elsvenskan, uh, the fourth youngest manager, uh, 37-year-old, I believe, and he joins us on the Nordic Football Podcast to talk about uh, Orebro and the season so far. Uh, one second. Axel. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. How is everything in Sweden? Uh, it's good. It's good. I mean, we had a pretty long break for the World Cup. I think it was uh, six weeks, and now we going into to the to the fourth match, match day after after the the break so things is just fine 
Yeah, and it's really good to have you on the show. Uh, as I said previously, we've had many uh, managers on in the past. We've been lucky enough to have Ian Birchnell and a few others, Michael Jolly, and uh, a few other coaches in Norway as well. Um, we cover Norway. So, yeah, it's really good to have you on this particular show. Uh, looking at your time in charge of Audible, you're actually approaching a year in charge now. You've been there, I think, 11 months. Um, how have you found that so far, you know, as the head coach of a, of a big team like in, in the Osvenskan? How are you finding things uh, as head coach yourself? Yeah, it's been it's been great. I mean, it was uh, last year was pretty hectic. It was uh, I went from the role as assistant coach. I think I had it for like five, four or five years. So uh, and then I took the step that during the the season to to be the head coach. That was a both a big and a small step for me. A, a small step in terms of that I I know the club, I know the players, and I I know how it was was like to be a, be a be a head coach because I watched the, the, the former head coach and, and work close to them. But a big step in terms of uh, making big decisions and also try to build a, a new model of play and try to form a, form a new group, uh, both on the pitch but also off the pitch and the coaching staff. So it was a, a hectic start, but I think uh, uh, step by step, week by week, I think we we have improved. And that's the the main focus that we that we have and I have as a coach to to become a better team and, and for me to become a uh, a better coach and I think we, we take uh, small steps uh, all the time. Yeah, it's good and obviously looking at the the, the season so far, I mean, it would have started the season incredibly well actually. You were quite near the top of the table uh, to begin with. Currently, you sort of had a bit of a dip in form and you're now ninth mid table. What would you say were the maybe the expectations on the back of a back of last season, um, and how have you found this season so far? You know, on the pitch and the field, and and as a manager yourself, how have you found that transition? Yeah, I mean, uh, for uh, before the season, I think that not so so many outside the blue was having uh, big expectations. I mean, we had we had a pretty similar squad. We changed maybe like just like two or three players, but that was something that we worked hard on to have. To, to continue to work with the group of players that we have, focus on developing them instead of looking too much outside. Uh, we brought in two, three players. We we formed a new group, as I said. We focused uh, pretty much in the beginning to to uh, to build a, a, a ground to stand on. We work a lot of the defense, how we can how we concede less goals because the last couple of years we have conceded a lot of goals. I think we make make good progress there. We also speaks a lot about how. How we the work ethic, how we could uh, behave against each other on and off the pitch, and how we can can be a, a, a team or a group of players that uh, that always fights hard. So I think we, that that was the the main reason that we had a, both a good um, a good uh, in the Swedish Cup we performed well, we, re we reached quarterfinals, and also that we had a, a good uh, 10, 11 games in Allsvenskan. Uh, but it's also like this that Allsvenskan is pretty very very tight league so uh, it was a lot of tight games but we were lucky to to be on the winning side now after the after the break we had uh, three games we had three losses but it has also been three for me very tight games so uh, for us like i said before the most important thing for us is to to imp to improve and if if we continue to improve week by week then then i'm sure that that when we look at the table after 30 games, then we're going to have a have a good season also in the table. 
Yeah, and actually, funny enough, <clears throat> just talking there on the defensive record, which you, you mentioned, I mean, last season, you um, Blue conceded 54 goals uh, in the season. This season, you've only conceded 18 so far from, from 14 games played, which is obviously showing yeah. clear signs of improvement. What have you done maybe since you've joined to, to kind of focus I, I on that? We, we changed a little bit on the formation. We played more with the back three or back five. We have also worked a lot of working on on our press triggers, how we can defend more as a team, to be a little bit clearer for the players when to press and when not to press, to press both high of the pitch and low of the pitch. Uh, that's something that uh, I think we have improved a lot pretty quickly. Uh, also, that we find the balance against the counter-attacks, how many players do we attack with and how many players do we have to have behind the ball, both to have a good ball circulation, but also to have good positions when we lose the ball. If we have the possibility to win it back, yes, but also if the, we play against great teams that can get uh, get out of that uh, first pressure, then we need to have men behind the ball. So that's something I think we we have improved and something that if, if we're going to have continue to have success, we have to be even better at. So uh, a little bit of change in the system, a little bit more clear how and when we should press and, and also to have a little bit more stability when we lose the ball. Don't go forward with too many men too early. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's, I would say, the, the three main parts uh, yeah. why we haven't conceded so much. And you talked about pre- pressing triggers, <clears throat> excuse me, pressing triggers, which I find really interesting because in the Premier League at the moment, it's, it's a big a big thing, really. Pressing is one of the key themes of the Premier League at the moment with managers like Jurgen Klopp and Pochettino, maybe, who, who like that kind of pressing style and, and have a very high emphasis on, on the pressing game. Just yourself as a, as a coach, obviously you're a young coach, you've been learning the game. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the sort of pressing triggers and, and maybe your philosophy on that? Like what's the, you know, maybe for people who aren't managers, for example, what what do you work on in the training and how do you implement yeah, that? Yeah, you can say like this, I mean, if, if in, in today's football to win the ball, you need to have good pressing for not just one or two plays, you have to have good pressing for the whole team. And mm. I think that's the key point to, to get, the, get the team to understand uh, when, when we press, because when we decide to put the pressure on and try to win the ball, then we would, we have to do it all eleven players, and that's and then you need to have like certain triggers. For example, when the ball goes backwards, or for example, if it's a long, if they, we play against a team, they play with two centre backs and they play that long pass between the centre backs, and then gives one of the strikers time to pressure the the, the other centre back because we know that when the ball is travelling, that's the signal. The longer it travels, that's the better signal to mm. to press. So, as an example, like maybe when the ball goes yeah, backward, yeah, you would. Yeah, that's a great example. And also, like when the ball goes goes backwards, and you have, or you're in a close distance to press, to press, mm. to press, then you know that the first guy is pressing. Then the whole whole team have to to follow. So that these two, three, maybe four triggers uh, that we work on every week, and then maybe from game to game we have this specific. Uh, to more related to the game. Of course. For example, like I said, if we if we play against a team with the back three, it's, it's more difficult to press with two strikers than against a team that play with the, with the back two, because it's going to be longer distance in, in, in the passing with the back two than with the, in the back three. Then we have to find other triggers. So that's something we have our main principles, but also how we can use them in the in the way of, of pressing against the team we're going to play. So, for example, maybe we have against Hecken now. Not going to detail too much. Then we have like one or two. This is the signal for us to press like this, and then it's important that the whole team knows it. Before, I think it's and it's something like you said. It's coming more and more because the teams are getting better, and better on the ball. It's not like uh, press when you have the chance. The players mm. have to know 
when is the right time because we have to do it all 11 together yeah. and is that based on say for example if you take Hacken or I know you don't want to go into too many details in that sense but maybe a team that you've played maybe a team you've played previously but would it be say you know when Paulinho gets the ball we, we press it this way and maybe the, your right winger goes and, and presses him or when the ball goes backwards you use a particular maybe midfielder or a particular is it player related or is it sort of more positional if that makes sense do you not know mean yeah I, th- I think it's a it's a mix. For example, we can take we played against Malmo, one of the best teams in in Sweden. It's the, it's the champions. We played them last week at home, and then played pretty much the three five two system. Mm. And we know that when they play the three five two system, they only play with uh, with one player in the outside channel. Then we know that that's a good chance for us in, in the way we play with our formation because we also play with wing backs. That all every time that the ball goes out to there to the sides on the outside channels because they only have one player that's a signal for us to press and then we're going to force the, the for example the wing back in the opponent's team to, mm. to play a certain pass and then also we, we can press it with our strikers or midfielder for example now we play against Hecken they play a little bit different formation they play with more with a 4-3 even if they have the inverted uh, attackers or uh, outside attackers but, it, but then it's going to be a little bit more different. But the, but the principles have to be the same, but then you make a small, small twist depending on maybe the system and also, like you said, where do they have the best players? We, we played as Hecken, probably they're going to play with a, a right-footed left centre-back, and of course that's going to help us a little bit. Yeah. When you play against Malmö, they play with the, with the back three. They had a left, uh, left-footed left centre-back and they had a right-footed right centre-back, then it's going to give it uh, tougher to press. So these small details depending on how they how the formation is and also a little bit at what is the quality of the player. That's really interesting and yeah, I mean just looking at that game you you were quite unlucky I suppose to lose two one there to, to Malmo in that in that game. It was one all and then a sort of fairly late goal um, to make it 2-1. But, yeah, I mean, you've had some qu- quite good success in terms of tightening the defence, f- for sure. I mean, we actually have a question from a, a listener called At Swede Stats. And he asks, uh, what do you think about the, the sort of tactical shift in teams in the Old Svenskan this season? Uh, it seems like a lot of teams are going away from the classic 4-4-2 to other, other setups. Um, and we just wonder what your thoughts on that are, and obviously yourself as well. I know that you, you've played a variety of formations um, and shapes uh, that aren't maybe traditional 4-4-2. What, what are your thoughts on the tactical changes in Osvenskan over the past year or so? Yeah, I think uh, my first year as assistant coach in Osvenskan was five years ago, five, five and a half years ago. And if you compare that to where we are now, I think it's been a big difference. I think uh, that there's a lot of younger coaches and also... Uh, more foreign coaches or Swedish coaches that have experience from from other countries, and I think that have have affected and and changed the league a little bit. So I would say now the flexibility is bigger. I think uh, maybe not all teams, but 50-60 percent of the teams they they can change the formation from game to game, and also we see more of uh, more more different formations: back three, back four, back five. One striker, two striker, three strikers, strikers wide, strikers inside, wing backs uh, wide, uh, right backs, left backs inside, outside. So I think uh, it's become, if you look at Alsvenskan from a tactical point of view, and if you're really interested in tactics, I think you can, it's much, much more interesting now. And that also makes it difficult for, for me as a coach to scout the next opponent. And it also makes, makes it important for me to build maybe one or two game plans uh, depending on how do they set up mm. uh, and that's also makes me more active during the games and see okay uh, they have this type of formation then we have to do this 
and it's also the balance of being reacting and proactive. I mean, if you if you're reactive to always change depending on, on the opponents, maybe that's not good. But I think you always have to uh, what can you say? You always have to take that into into your decisions uh, how the opponents play. So you have a clear strategy depending a little bit on the variety of the of the opponents. So for me as a as a coach, I mean, I've been scouting opponent teams for five years. It's, it's much tougher, but also much more interesting now uh, with the variety of of uh, formations, but also the variety of, uh, of uh, what can I say, putting players in in different parts of the pitch more than a formation with, with numbers, if you understand yeah, what I mean. Of course, yeah. And it must be a bit more, I suppose, more interesting in game. You, you have to stay more alert, I suppose, if you have to always adapt to tactic, tactics. I mean, would you say there's a particularly tactically flexible team that, that you look at and that maybe change things? Or in Sweden, is there a sort of reference point that maybe that will change from there? Or is it just sort of gradual, like you say, more younger coaches, maybe more ideas, foreign coaches, that kind of thing? Or is it everyone's looked at a team? And I, I, yeah, sort of... I, think, I think so. I think so. Maybe not. Both younger and older coaches are more more interested in learning and up-to-date and finding mm. what, what what's happening. And I think that if you look at the... The way the football world is now, it's so easy to get information from, from I mean, all the leagues and all the world. All the games are broadcast. Twitter is yeah. exploring, exploding with uh, different uh, tactic uh, people that discuss tactics. I mean, we saw in the World Cup, uh, Belgium we have different teams that that was so good in changing the formation. So I think that's a big inspiration for for all the coaches. But it's also a, a balance because. The players can get confused if you change too much too quick. So I think it's important to have your 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 own identity and then change it from that. Not make too big changes. If you understand yeah. what I mean, we cannot play uh, short passes one day to just play long passes one uh, yeah. next day. We cannot just uh, defend low block one day and high block next day. I think we you need to. That's why it's so important to get time as a coach because the more you work with the team, the more you can add. But I think it's important to, to first of all find the mind and then the main identity. And that was something. If, if I look at myself, if you look at the, uh, when I came in last year, maybe I, I did too much too soon. I changed it maybe a little bit too much, and I tried to be more flexible too early. And that was something that, I, when I look back, back at it, was confusing for maybe uh, a few players. So mm. I think now we, we build a more stable ground. We can work during the whole preseason, and then now it's good for us to we can make sure small small adjustments that's that's the the players very quick uh, understand yeah that's really fascinating and just to sort of go back to your own background a little bit i mean for listeners who maybe don't know so much about you as you mentioned you, you were an opposition scout and you also played as well for uh, in 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 um, swedish football as well i mean how have you made such a rapid advance to becoming a manager so young what you know what's What's your background and tell us maybe a bit more about yourself and you, maybe your influ- yeah. influences on you as a coach, you know, that kind of thing. Who's influenced you? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, like you said, I was a player up until 27, 28 in the Allsvenskan in the Superettan. I played for both Örebro that I'm coaching now and another team, Trelleborg, in, in Allsvenskan. Then I had some problems with some injuries. I played in uh, Division 1, it's the third division in Sweden, uh, for two years. And then I had some more injury problems. Then uh, the the club that I was playing for, but was currently in, injured in 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 the, in the Division One, was looking for a new coach. And then they gave me the opportunity that I'm 
so happy and so thankful for for today. I mean, I had no experience. I got the chance to 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 was to be the head coach of a of a team in the, in the third division in Sweden. It's semi-professional, so the players don't earn so much money, but mm. still, it was a, a very high level to start on. I was there for two years. I think we had a great success with the team. Then I came to Örebro as the assistant slash opponent uh, scout uh, and worked here with two different coaches. Uh, and and now am I uh, am I here? So I think I I mean a little bit of luck, but a lot of hard work is what got me here. And also the will of um, always become better, always become a better coach, always try to to improve uh, and have high demands on myself. Mm. So and if you look at inspiration, I think I I pick inspiration both from coaches that that I have for myself as a player. I think I learned a lot from a lot of them both good and bad things uh, and uh, now I work with, here with, with two great coaches that I learned a lot from but of course I also take take uh, influences from the from a few of the best coaches in, in the world that that uh, like I said you can follow them clo- follow them closely you can mm. watch them on on TV you can um, see how they react in the press conference you can see how they how they work on the training pitch so of course I try to, to pick a little bit from from different parts. Then I also have great colleagues here in Allsvenskan that I, a few of them that I, I learned when I, I took the pro license here in Sweden that I also speak to pretty often. So I try to to pick a lot from, from different places and different sure. coaches. And I mean, how, how do you, you said you always looking to improve, what, what kind of things do you do to improve? I mean, is it, is it reading or is it watching more games or just, you know, as an example? Uh, you... No, I think it's it's mainly three things. One, one is that I try to get as much as information uh, as I can uh, from different, like I said, I said reading books, mm. being on the internet, stuff like that. The other is to to watch other teams, to to see how they play and try to find more the more technical point of view. And the third thing is, I try to be very self-reflecting and always try to to analyze and reflect myself, and also take help from from my my colleagues. Mm. And that's something I think is very important to to improve both as a human and uh, as, as a as a coach to always reflect and think uh, is this the way the right way to do it what we did last week uh, is this the type of football or the type of leadership that I want to stand for and always make that reflection on myself it's I sure. think it's uh, the most important are they, are they sort of, to, to improve are there sort of um, maybe like you mentioned teams are there maybe two or three teams you could name off the top of your head who had an influence on you very quickly sort of maybe who you looked at and thought wow they you know uh, the, their style of play yeah. really yeah I, th- I think I mean of course if you look at the way the Guardiola, Guardiola changed um, uh, City of mm. course it's impressive especially how they attack and how they work with the positional play and how, how they can play with different formations I also fancy a lot to see both uh, I watched uh, Schalke mm-hmm. uh, when they played how they how Tedesco play with the with the pressing game how they can be so aggressive and press press uh, all over the pitch, also Hoffenheim a little bit. So the German football is there's a lot of teams play with the with three four three or three five two and different two uh, five two one and stuff like that. So especially yeah. how they defend, how they can put pressure on the on the opponents and also make it a very quick game. That's something that fascinates me. And and one way I, I don't think we're there as a team in Örebro now, but if I look a few years forward, that's something I I want to try on to. To, to press higher up the pitch uh, in, that, in the type of formation that 
that we use. Yeah. Sounds really exciting for Audible fans if, if you can implement a sort of Nagels, <laughs> Nagelsmann or Guardiola style play. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely one to have a season ticket there. Um, let's look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the season as it's gone so far, you know, itself. Um, so obviously, as we mentioned, you began the season and you went, I think, seven games unbeaten and winning four of those, in fact, uh, three draws. And then obviously you had a bit of a dip, as we've, we've just said. So the last sort of uh, six games, I think there's, there's been a few defeats uh, and you've lost three in a row uh, to Jutteborg, Elfsborg and uh, Malmö. Give us your insights into the season so far, how it's gone, um, you know, fr from your own perspective as Audible Manager. I mean, the key players who've stood out as well. I mean, I, I want to come to Nahir Basara in a minute because uh, he's such an exciting player and has done so well. But, you know, just tell us about the season itself, you know, your, your results, your ups and downs, and also your ambitions. What are you maybe looking to do? Have you been set a target maybe? Or is it just kind of consolidating this season and, and, and then moving on? Yeah, um I mean, if we look at the first part, we were, like I said, we were happy with, uh, with the cup. We, we advanced from the from the group stage. And we had a tough game against Oik, where we got uh, a man uh, sent off early in the, in the middle of the first half. Then we went to the Allsvenskan, and, and I think, like I said, we had a, a great start, especially defensively. I think we were very solid. I think we were good in set pieces. We improved our the ways of attacking more and more. We had this big, big game. I think where we were on the on the top against uh, Hammarby, played at home. It was a sold-out stadium. I think we and we took the lead, and I think we were in the best form during the season. Then, then we got a, a tough red card, and then we, and then we we lost that game 2-1. We got three players suspended to the next game against Djurgården. We also lost that one. Then we had a great game against Kalmar, and we finished with a draw against BFP. So I think the first part of the until the break was was very very good especially that we were so uh, we were so solid uh, and we had these key players like you said that I think we had uh, key players like Basara Rogic and Igbuan Nike that, that scored a lot so that felt, felt very very good and after the summer we had a tough start we uh, we were one we were leading 1-0 with 10 minutes left home against Elfsborg we lost 2-1 we got uh, our captain uh, got a red card after like 20, 25 minutes against uh, Gothenburg. I think we still been a good game, and then we had the, the defending champions here at home in a tight game. So the Allsvenskan is so so tight in terms of uh, in, in results. But uh, my aim and our game is to be better for for every game and uh, look at our own performance. That's something we worked so hard on. That don't put too many goals in that. We're gonna end up seven. We're gonna end up ten. We're gonna end up. Uh, Number one, it's more we focus on on the we can affect, and that's mm. the way we we behave and the way we perform every day in training, every day in games, and that's I think been uh, one of the most important parts in, in yeah. because of the of the season that we do that, uh, and uh, we also come now into a transfer window. I think we we sold uh, one of our starting centre backs. I think it's interesting. I think we have a lot of interesting players, so we will see also at this. Uh, after this transfer window, if some more, someone more uh, goes away, and we can get someone new in. But yeah. uh, I think, like I said, solid, solid start. And if we can, can can continue for for the next half of the season, like with the first eleven games, then uh, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be happy because yeah. then it's gonna mean that we that we're still improving. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at the players that you mentioned there, Brendan Hines Eich is the one who has left uh, to Belgium, uh, centre back, and he's had a, a, a quite a good season, hasn't he? I think. I mean, do you want to maybe comment on him just as he's left the, left the league now, and then maybe tell us also about Nahir and, and also Kennedy? I think, or maybe players that you would think have stood out for you, you know, um, yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Brendan uh, came here from from college uh, and uh, has made great improvements for two and a half years he was here and uh, that's how the club want to work and how I want to work we want to get in players that are hungry for for improving themselves and improving the club and then when they're ready take the next step and the club get a good amount of money and we can get happy players and we can also get uh, players that have make the, the team better so he's a great character so I'm very happy for him we also have um, like you said when we look at the more offensive side where Nahid Besara had a great first 10-11 games now I think uh, all the teams in Alcens can see that he is one of the uh, he is one of the biggest keys for, for the way we attack so it's getting tougher and tougher for him <laughs> put more and more focus on him and then we hold, have this uh, goal scorer in Kennedy that uh, doesn't need one need one chance and, score, and scores a goal it's very very good in the box so that's of course then we also have Philip Rogic made a lot of goals, mm-hmm. a lot of assists, and uh, played as a left wing back uh, when this when we started. But is better as a central player, especially box to box midfielder. That made uh, a great season so far in terms of uh, pressing, defending, but also in terms of getting close to the box and, and score goals and be. Uh, uh, crucial crucial player for, for us yeah. I mean Nahir's um, I think the top assist, assist provider in, in the league or joint top yeah. uh, so he's, he's been fantastic and there's been a lot of rumours about him I mean I don't know how much you're allowed to say about that but what is the extent of his position there is it is it you know have, have there been in bids from him from, from teams in the Osvenskan and another te- other clubs or you know is that just rumours kind of no um, it's been interesting interest for him and he's also in a situation where his contract expired after the season mm. so there can also be clubs that contact him without uh, a review as a club mm. knows that. So I don't know everything, but uh, it's been inter- uh, clubs that have been interested in him, but they haven't come up something that he and the club have been happy with. And mm. I know that he's very happy playing here and he wants to improve the team more. So I'm great to, to work with a great player like him and also a, a great person that's... Uh, uh, a great guy. Yeah. So we will see. We will see what's happening in football. You, you, it's difficult to plan. You never know. <laughs> but uh, we will see. And how do you actually do the scouting um, in in any For example, you just mentioned that with Brendan, you, he was uh, from college, and I think he's American, isn't he? American nationality at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, how did that come about, for example? Or how do you how do you sort of um, look for new players at, at a club like Orlando who maybe don't uh, have a huge I mean, resources? I mean, like... we're not the biggest club. Mm. We're not. Uh, we not have the biggest uh, coaching staff. So it's a lot of the, the sports director and me and other in the coaching staff to to use good contacts but also open open our eyes we look mainly in uh, in the nordic countries but mm. that but sometimes uh, from our contacts around the world something a good name comes up and in Brennan's case he, he came here for trial for two or three weeks and then he made a great impact and he think it was a good club for him to take next step so we mainly focus on the on the nordic countries but we also have uh, players coming from from all around the world, that we don't have a big scouting network, we don't have like four or five scouts that's, that's paid full time. It's it's more of, of us working, and then we also, of course, have agents and, and different contacts in different parts of the world. And 
that's that's how we work. We want to be a club that the younger players feel that they can come to, they can develop in and develop and then go on. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, just on a personal level, it's been really, I've quite enjoyed watching Audible this season, I have to say, I mean, yeah, I think the style you're implementing does does look promising, so that's part of the reason we wanted you on the show, really, especially with such a brilliant start, so I really appreciate you coming on to talk to the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, just quickly, before we conclude, I just wanted to ask you about, um, quickly, your own ambitions in the future, maybe, do you see yourself perhaps managing abroad, or, I mean, you've got very good English, so do you ever see yourself maybe coming to England or something like that, and... <laughs> And then also, I wanted to ask you um, your prediction for the season. I mean, who who do you think will actually win the title? Being it's such a, a big battle, I mean, I don't know if you are allowed to comment on that, but you know, it'd be nice to hear your prediction. Maybe for the you know, such as the title race is looking quite interesting at the moment. So, can Mamo come yeah. back? You know, can can Hammerby stay up there? Oiko as well. So, what's your prediction there? Yeah, if, you, if we start with that with the Alsvenska, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be. I think uh, Malmes a lot of. Uh, people have uh, like uh, think that they're out I think they made some great signings and they have the capacity to 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 get uh, to get in contact with uh, with the top teams and when when they are in contact they're gonna be like a, a hungry wolf so mm. I think you cannot count them out I think not shopping Hammarby and Aiko there are three great teams with different styles of play Aiko very solid very defensive organized I think not shopping with, uh, with the way they attack and how they can uh, move the ball and Hammarby with the with the quality of the of the top three, top four uh, players, they can score goals from anything. So I think it's going to be tight. It's also going to be interesting to see if Oiko and Malmö goes goes through in Europe. I think that's going to affect maybe. I think it's it's tough for for Swedish teams to to be both in Europe and uh, and uh, competing in Allsvenskan. So that mm-hmm. I think if both Oiko and, and Malmö goes to to for example Euroleague. Um, group stage or Champions League group stage I think they're going to have tough in, in Sweden then I think it's going to be in Norshapen or Hammarby but if they don't go there I, I would say it's uh, it's so wide open but I think Oiko is going to uh, it's going to take it because they're going to they, they win games even on a bad day mm-hmm. I think that's the quality that the, that the other team doesn't have they, they yeah. win even on bad days thanks to great great organisation yeah. nice. and, and if we and if we focus more more on me I mean like I said before, I want to become a good as a good coach as, as I can, and I'm very happy to be here. I mean, I've been a head coach for, like I said, 11 months. I have so much more to to improve and learn, and now I am in an environment with great coaching staff and in the in the club close to my heart in the city where I was raised. So, so for now, I have a lot of focus here. But of course, if you look further in the future, it would be fun to 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 try different cultures yeah. both on and off the pitch. That's that. That's that's for sure. Nah, but you never know. I mean, Swedish <laughs> coaches outside Sweden, it's not so common. Yeah. But, uh, well, we'll see. You certainly made a great start to your managerial career, so congratulations, uh, Axel, and re- I really appreciate your time. Thanks for talking to the Nordic Football Podcast, and we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season, and perhaps we'll speak to you again at some point in the future again too as well. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. I would Axel. like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for your time.
Well, that was an absolutely fantastic interview. Many thanks to Axel there. And uh, sound like you enjoyed that one, John. Yeah, it was a fascinating discussion. And I hope the listeners enjoyed that too. Uh, we had a few questions from from, list, uh, from followers on Twitter. And obviously you can follow us at Nordic Footpod. And we had a few people giving their own questions, which we talked about. So yeah, it was, it was good. And just to uh, cap that discussion off, um, we mentioned Axel's one of the youngest managers in the Uh there's actually six managers in the Osvenskan under 40, which is interesting. Jimmy Tellin is exactly 40. And then we have six more managers who are younger, who Johan Sandal, uh, Jens Gustafsson, Axel Kjall, Louis Pimenta at Brunapoikina, Ian Birchnell, who is 35, and Poya Aspargi, who's the youngest manager in Osvenskan at 33. So who said it's a an old man's game in, in Sweden? It's it's certainly a young man's game, really, at the moment. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'd really like to see that personally. I like to see young managers in the game developing and, and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's obviously clubs like Urubro, Um He's obviously been developing some players as well. I mean, um, just a transfer that caught my eye um, very recently: Brendan Heinz Eich, uh, Belgium side, Kortrick uh, uh, of him, John. Yeah, and we discussed that on, on the pod with, with Axel just now as well. I think he was, it seems as, as though he was fairly happy with the transfer fee they've got. I think it's roughly 500,000 maybe um, euros or so, 600,000 euros. I'm not entirely sure. There's different reports, but Brendan Heinzeich has been a really good player for them this season, actually. So I think he's earned his move. And, you know, he's a solid centre-back, American. And I think he'll do a fairly decent job in in, Bel- in uh, Belgium. And a court track seemed to scout their region fairly, fairly well. So... I think that's a fairly decent signing, actually. Well, there's been quite a few signings in um, in Sweden recently, and I know you'd uh, quite like to talk about a few. Uh, let's talk about a big money move. Uh, Svanberg to Bologna, four and a half million. What do you think of that one? Yeah, really big transfer. In fact, that's one of the largest... Um, it's one of the Osvenskan's record transfers. Uh, just behind, I think, I think he's in the top three or four. Um, Svanberg's a really good player and I think in a way it's a shame because you do like to see sort of players stay in the league as long as possible. Svanberg's really broken through. I think he was one of the my 10 to watch actually this season in the um, Osvenskan, uh on Svenskan the, on, the on our first podcast of the, of the season and obviously he's already gone now within sort of five, six months but um, he's certainly on his move. He's a, he's a really good player and you know I don't think it's I mean he scored scored already on his debut and um, he scored on his debut, sorry, for, for Bologna uh, in a friendly. And yeah, in fact, I'm looking at the list now of Osvensk uh, top transfers and he's number three behind Zlatan and Alexander Isak. So not bad, eh? not bad company there. It did seem like a lot of money to me uh, for a, an Osvensk dealing. Um, let's talk about a, a transfer, which I know we get plenty of listeners from the Premier League. Ken Semmer. Now, I've actually got a Watford uh, fan who's one of my friends. I play with him in my local pool league with him and uh, he was asking me about uh, Semmer. And, uh, well, I'm going to ask you about him now. How do you think he's going to get on in the Premier League? I think it's a really good transfer. I, th- I believe the fee was something around £2.5 million. And if that's the fee, then uh, for me, it's a bargain. Uh, you know, in this day and age, in this market where you've got players going for sort of 50, 60 million, um, I think that's a real bargain of a transfer for Watford there. Um, Ken Semmer, as he proved in the Europa League ties for Ostersunds against Arsenal, um, he really ripped them apart. 
He was very good in both games, I thought, uh, although Arsenal won the first game fairly comfortably. Um, Ken Semmer tore them apart at the Emirates. He really he really tore into um, Arsenal's you know, right back on the day and gave a really fantastic account of himself when Osterson's won at the Emirates. Uh, yeah, he's got the sort of physical frame. He's, 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 he's technical. He's, he's strong, a strong dribbler, strong runner. He's got, you know, really powerful sort of thighs and, and, he, and he gets his head down and sort of moves on the ball. Um, good crosser of the ball as well. 1v1 situations. He can beat his man. Um, I think it's a very, very interesting signing. I think he will be suited to the Premier League. And I think Watford fans, I mean, he, he will take some time to adapt, you'd have thought. But I think his, his overall game is, is suited to sort of a physical league. So I do think it's a good signing from Watford. Yeah, definitely. That's good to hear. I mean, I, when I saw him in the Europa League, uh, in the Arsenal match, I thought there's something about this lad that he could do well uh, in the future. Let's just talk about an internal transfer in the Arsvenskan. Roman Gal, Sumsval to Malmö. So is this the typical, typical sort of mid-season move that Malmö will, will often make in this league? Well, Romain Gall's got an interesting story. In fact, he um, he moved to America when he was 12 and he, he's been hugely dedicated to his career. He, he's, he's played in France, he's moved to different academies. And uh, I saw an interview with him around the time of his move to Malmö and he just sort of, he's, he spent six or seven years, I think, in academies and just... You know, you rarely get players who are that dedicated and that driven at such a young age to kind of make it. But he's kind of moved around in the system um, from different place to different place and and uh, finally got his move. He's, he's been fantastic at uh, at Sundsvall this season. And I just have to say quickly, Sundsvall for me have been arguably the most impressive team I've watched actually this season. I've, I mean, every time I watch them, I really enjoy their style of play. I think their Spanish influence that they have now, I think they've got a couple of Spanish coaches behind the scenes and um, I'm really intrigued by their sort of style of play uh, and Roman Gaul's been a key part of that to be honest um, so yeah I think he's earned his move he got seven goals and four assists in the, in the league this season and that's a real good sort of return and it was kind of rumoured that he would move this summer because of how well he's done and uh, yeah he's got his move to the champions so it's, I think it's a good signing really it's interesting that you, there's quite a few sort of teams in bigger leagues that are targeting players from the Alsvenskan. Um, Werder Bremen have been in action um, and they've um, made a move for Bejimo. Yeah, Felix Bejimo is another one who I think I've watched him a few times live and I do I do like him. He's a good right back, solid right back. He's only young, I believe his early 20s. He's got a lot of development room in him. I think that's a bit of a no-brainer, actually, that, that transfer. Uh, I think he was always going to end up going to a bigger league. I'm surprised he's gone to Werder Bremen because um, that's a big club and it's a big step up. But I do think Benjamin, yeah, is the sort of player who can deal with it. And I think it's a blow for, for your garden, actually, as well. I think it's a, they'll really miss him. I think if the fee was something like £3 million for a 20-year-old, which tells you a lot, to be honest, um, in the Spence Canyon. That's a lot of money for someone, but it shows you how highly rated he is. Yeah, I mean, teams in the Russian league, Swiss league, uh, all over the shop, really, been uh, after players uh, from Sweden this summer. Uh, let's go. I mean, Alexander Franzen, Basel, have signed him for a million uh, euros. And, uh, I mean, again, that seems like quite a lot for an Asvenskan player. Yeah, he's had a good season at North Shopping um, in the midfield there. And, like you say, it's, it's a fairly big, you know, there's been some big transfers, actually, in terms of, you know, monetary wise. Teams making a little bit of coinage, which is which is good for the league. Obviously, they can then 
invest that money into maybe um, their own leagues, maybe younger players, their academies, that kind of thing. So, you know, on that side of things, it's good to see big transfers. Another one is sort of Dennis Hadzikadunic, who uh, was at Malmo as well, and he's gone to Rostov in, in Russia. Um, he was spent he spent the season on loan at Trelleborg, barely actually played for Malmo, um, but has gone for a million euros. So, you know, that's another one. He's a young player from their academy, done well um, at the neighbours Trelleborg on loan. And, you know, within 12 games, he's got a big move. And he's another centre-back as well. Um, and, yeah, there's been quite a few big moves. Um, well, let's, let's, I want to talk about Ossesums a little bit, actually, John. And uh, they made a signing. Gerald Sellers has moved to Ossesums. Ian Birchall took charge of this team a few weeks ago. And I think it's fair to say... He's had a pretty good start. Well, Ian Birchall's done a really, really good job. And it's, 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 it's funny because I don't really want to gas him up too much because, you know, we, we've obviously had him on the podcast. We've interviewed him and, you know, we want him to do well. Obviously, we, we're friends of the pod. You know, he, he had a tough time at Viking and he, I think he's kind of been giving his reward here at, at Ostersons. He was originally given the job just uh, for a few games on a temporary basis. He's now been given it till the end of the season. Um, they've won again. They picked up a one-nil win uh, this weekend. You know they're pushing up the table. And people who thought maybe that they would fall away when Graham Potter left for Swansea, they, they've they've been proven wrong because Ian Birchland's come in and, and done a, a good job. Uh, they absolutely battered um, the team they played last weekend. I watched it live, um, and yeah, they you know they haven't really seemed to sort of miss a beat since since Graham's left. So yeah, I mean Jarrell Sellers is a he was at Cheltenham Town, I think he's signed him from. He was ex-Aston Villa. I don't know too much about him, I have to be honest, but um, he's an Englishman. And so, yeah, that's another Englishman in in, in Ostersons, along with uh, Jamie Hopcott and now Ian Birchnell as well. So, be one to watch. Do you think the transition from Graham Potter to Ian Birchnell has been pretty smooth? Oh, yeah, it's been, you know, seamless almost. I think, no, I don't think anybody would have expected it to go so well, I have to say. Uh, you would have thought that maybe they they would have a little bit of a dip um, you know, Graham Potter's a legendary figure there. They, you know, he'll be remembered forever. They probably will end up being statues of him, that kind of thing. But Ostersons have actually climbed up to fifth now. Um, they show no sign of sort of falling away. They beat Elsborg uh, recently, and you know they're they're actually in terms of the games and their the results, the results haven't haven't fallen away at all. So yeah, they, you know, like I say, they're doing very very well. They beat Trelleborg last week four one. I think they're unbeaten since Graham went in there. I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, he's 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 done fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's really good to see him virtual do well, and we wish him the the very best uh, going forward. Of course, uh, a couple more transfers I just want to talk about before we move on to European matches. Uh, Tino Cadawiri has uh, moved to the French second division of all places. My uh, one of my leagues of speciality. Uh, I was surprised when I saw this one, actually. Um, what are Lahav going to get from him? Big Tino. Yes, uh, I, well, I picked him out as well. He, I was pretty chuffed myself for picking him out as one to watch this season because I, I saw a glimpse of him last season um, at Eurogard and just off the bench, that kind of thing, and he was more of a fringe player. But there is definitely something in, in Tino. And, um, yeah, I think he, he has some potential. Uh, he was second top goal scorer. I think he was at the winter break. He was the top scorer in the league um, when the, sorry the you know the, when they broke for the for the for the World Cup. 
Um, but he picked up a pretty nasty injury, which just kept him out for you know a few weeks. And um, unfortunately, that met, prevented him from playing. And now he's obviously been sold. Uh, yeah, good striker, good physical frame. He's, he's quick. He's, he's technical. He'll always be remembered. He'll be a legend at the club for his goal and assist in the um, Svenska Cup, Swedish Cup semi-final, which prevented them from, uh, which ended the curse. Obviously, the, the big the curse of, of the Stockholm teams. So for for Garden fans, he's like a legend. He'll be there actually uh, when they play the next game to sort of say his goodbyes, and he'll he'll get a fantastic reception because um, he really took to the club, I think, and he really he really bought into the setup at Garden and the fans loved him, I think, and he you know he loved the fans as well. I think he really enjoyed his time there, the Zimbabwean, and uh, yeah, it's a shame to see him leave actually the league because at 22 he's got a lot of room for development. I think he will do quite well at Lahav. He's got the, the physical profile and technical profile, I think, to to impress in France. And yeah, I'm quite sad to see him leave the league, I have to be honest. I think it sounds like a pretty, pretty good signing for them, to be honest with you. They've been after a replacement. They had a guy called Jean-Philippe Mateta from the Lyon Academy on loan. I think some German team signed him for like 10 million this summer. So uh, fairly big boots to fill, but... Uh, he, he really should fill his boots uh, for sure in, 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 in the French second division. Um, and I think one thing, sorry, just to add to that before we move on, Le Havre, are, are very, as you'll know, they're a very good sort of development side, aren't they? they? They will develop him and maybe look to push him up to a league one side. I think it's a, actually a smart move for him as well. I think that's a good next step for him. Is, you know, he won't be someone like Nicholas Barkroth, who we might talk about in the, in the second, who ends up in the league again within six months. I think hopefully Tino will develop in league two um, progress. I think it's a good league for him to be in, develop, and, and maybe push on. You know, Lahav, the, the home of Paul Pogba. You know, that, that's his old academy, and um, they've had some fantastic players over the years, haven't they? Mares played there as well, Riyad Mares. Yeah, it's a great academy actually. It's a good club to actually sort of develop your game and, and catch your eye of you know, some bigger clubs. I think as well, uh, John. Really, but um, you know, it's, uh, it's it's one of those that I really I think he could be a good signing. Um, one final uh, transfer that you wanted to talk about, Seb Larson, uh, and this is quite a big move, isn't it? Yeah, I think for the league, it's a big move. I mean, it's, it's a returning hero. I mean, he he had a really good World Cup actually, Seb Larson, for for a thirty three year old um, at the highest level, obviously, and he's been at Hull City recently. Uh, you you might not have expected him to do so well in in Sweden's midfield, but um, I think he deserves praise. He anchored the midfield well, and I think he showed, which is why he was you know at places like Arsenal and and and. You know, obviously he's returning to Sweden, but I think he he did show them why he's been such a big a big player abroad and in England for so long. Um, and, uh, you know, th- th- his performances were quite quite impressive, I thought. And um, yeah, we'll see how AIK use him. It's just another experienced head. I think it helps them in their title push. You know, as um, Axel's mentioned just now, he thinks they might be the ones who win the league. And that's just another sort of solid, mature head on on shoulders there to help them maybe push that push for that title. Okay, well, obviously uh, some interesting transfers there to talk about. We're going to finish the pod by uh, uh, mentioning the European results from Norwegian and uh, Swedish teams. Have you been keeping your eye on the Europa League and Champions League qualifiers, John? Or, I mean, the other night in the Europa League, it felt like there was about 100 bloody games on. It was ridiculous. Uh, it's hard to keep track of them all, isn't it? Yeah, I think the big game in um, in in Sweden was obviously the Malmo sort of the Champions League qualifier against Kluge, which they won one nil, uh, a really good result, which gives them a, a great platform actually to 
try and push on and and, and, and advance to the group stages, which would be a, a massive coup for Swedish football. Um, how's things in Norway? I mean, is it affecting, you know, there's been a big break, hasn't there, at the moment in Norway? Has that affected teams' preparations at all? Or? Uh, well, this break that um, they've had in Norway is about a month, and it's designed to help the European the teams in Europe. Because, like, Rosenborg uh, sort of complained before that they didn't want to play a league match and then have to play in Europe, and they want to be able to focus on the European games completely for certainly a two or three-week period. So I think it's designed to help the league uh, teams in this. And I think so far the results haven't been too bad, really. So... I think you could say it's probably a fair, a fairly good idea. Yeah, I mean, looking through the results just briefly, I mean, Celtic beat Rosenborg fairly comfortably. Uh, St. Gallen beat Salzburg. Linz beat Lillestrom 4-0. Um, only Molder have actually won a game. So does it imply that maybe it hasn't worked? Or I think the, the Rosenborg, Celtic... I mean, look, for a start, I will say Celtic are one of the best teams in these qualifiers, right? So it's a really tough draw for them. Um, Rosenborg aren't as good this year. They just sacked the manager. Uh, new guys come in, so it's a bit of a troubled period. And um, yeah, they lost three-one in the first leg, and it probably could have been more. At least they've got an away goal. You know, it's nothing that uh, the good old Lord can't sort out in the second leg, John. Two-nil, and they're laughing, aren't they? Uh, but uh, it's un- unlikely. Um, but they will get another shot at the, Euro- at the Europa League qualifiers after this one, should they go out. So it's not the end of the earth. Interesting. And how's the league looking itself? Um, you know, <coughs> are you still backing, was it Bran who you predicted who might win the league? Or? Well, it was funny, wasn't it? The last time I said Bran are going to win the league, they got they were 4-0 down after 20 minutes. <laughs> they came after I said this. It's like I cursed them. Um, so I don't know. And Rosenborg is starting to win games again in in the league anyway. Uh, I'm less sure now whether Brun. I think Brun need to really uh, reinforce a bit more in this uh, transfer window. They've still got the advantage, but it's going to be tougher for them. Mulder are, are now starting to get in the mix a bit more as well. And um, as I say, Mulder, they could have a good European run as well. They're 3-0 up against an Albanian team called Lassi or Lachi. Uh, so they should be through to the next round there. Sarpsborg uh, are in the game, although it looks like Lillestrom are heading out of Europe after getting hammered 4-0 by Austrian side LASK Linz. Yeah, not looking too good for, for them. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I guess the league is resuming soon. Is there any sort of big games coming up that we should be keeping an eye on? Or is it... Um, what, well, what, I mean, yeah. What's, I mean, what's happened is we've had this... Uh, four-week break now and uh you know for some of the, obviously some of the european teams have been in action but for the rest of the league i hopefully they've been uh using their time uh, wisely and we start off uh, with a, a, the tron time derby probably the big game to look out for ranheim against rosenborg that's on saturday uh you see how the little big brother little brother get on there so uh ranheim of course caused a, caused a shock by drawing one all um, at uh, Rosenborg's own stadium earlier in the season. I don't know whether Rosenborg are going to get revenge or not. And then uh, Branner in action on... Uh, they've got start on the Monday night. They should win that one. Not an, an awful lot else really catches uh, the eye, to be honest with you. So, uh, I think we're going to leave the transfers, for, aren't we, for this week? We're not going to yeah. delve into the transfers too much in Norway. So uh, I think that's all about all we've got time for this week. Yeah, enjoyed this one a lot, John. And... Uh, 
I say hopefully we're back again soon. But um, yeah, great interview there with uh, Axel, and uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. We'll uh, catch you around again soon. Goodbye, everyone. And quickly before we go, uh, don't forget you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Nordic Football and try and follow us on Facebook as well. Give us a like. Uh, type in Nordic Football Podcast in your Facebook browser and and give us a like. We we we're looking to push Facebook a little bit. So yeah, get involved. All right. Cheers, and everyone. Uh, catch you around and uh, take care.